0: You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, I've entitled our message today, Courageous Connection. We're going to continue our study in the book of John. We've been there for a while. We find ourselves again here in John chapter 16 as Jesus brings about a proclamation of His resurrection from the dead. And in that proclamation for which He warns His disciples that He is going to die, be buried and raised again from the day, He offers us a wonderful promise of hope, of a completed joy. In reality, verse 23 For which we begin today is really falls in line with last week's message in that pericope or that section of scripture. But due to time, we weren't able to include it in John chapter 16, uh, verses 16 to 24. And so I've included verse 23 and 24 in our message today, which I've entitled again, Courageous Connection. I want to draw the idea that for the believer, our connection to the triune God is vitally important for our our true joy, our continued hope, and a hope that is complete. And if you are not connected to the Son, then I want to warn you, you are not connected to the Father. And if you are not connected to the Father then I want to warn you again, you're not connected to the Son. And if you're not connected to the Son, then you're also not connected to God the Holy Spirit. You can't have one and not the other. But know this, when you experience a true spiritual revival, which shall I remind us, all revivals don't take place in a building but in a person every revival that has ever arisen wasn't because of a place, but rather a transformed heart which took place in a person. Our connection to Christ is important. When you are born again from above, my friends, you become a child of the living God. No one can rob you of that. No one can take that away from you. It is a true reality that you are indeed connected to the Father, you are indeed connected to the Son, you are indeed connected to God the Holy Spirit. Your joy, your confidence, your eternal security, your courage as you face a wicked and perverse world is all contingent on your connection to the triune God. Because when you realize that you are indeed as a believer, as a follower of Christ, connected to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, my friend, you will have a courageous connection that will make your joy complete. Do you feel joyful today? Maybe things haven't shaken out the way you've expected this week, this month, this year. Joy doesn't mean you always have a smile on your face. Just because someone has a smile on their face and they're full of joy doesn't mean they don't have problems. But know this, when you are connected to the triune God in a personal relationship, you are always full of joy. Because you have a great understanding that this is not your home. You are temporary residents looking forward to a future kingdom. With that frame of thought in mind, I want to ask you the question today, one that I can answer for you and you can answer for me, is that have you encountered a courageous connection? Do you have the living God? within you, born again from above. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 16. I want us to read our passage of Scripture today, and I want to give you three insights that I believe will encourage you to be connected to the triune God, which brings about a courageous connection, not because of something we are as, as, as far as we're special, but because we are courageously connected to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in a personal relationship. So let's begin by reading together verse 23. On that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, He will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Verse 25 These things I have spoken to you in figures of speech, and hours coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. On that day, you will ask in my name, and I am not saying that to you that. I will request of the Father on your behalf, for the Father Himself loves you. Because you have loved Me and you have believed that I came forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father and and have come into the world again. I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, See, now you are speaking plainly and not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and that you have no need for anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus replied to them, do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home and to leave me alone, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Three things that I want to bring to your attention today that I believe will help us walk through these verses. Three observations that will guide us as we try and understand what the text is saying. First, I want you to see a connection to the Son. Secondly, I want you to see a connection to the Father. And lastly, a connection to the Spirit. I want us to, together first to consider that we see a connection to the Son. He says, On that day, verse 23, you will not question Me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in My name, He will give it to you. Notice, how he says here, on that day. What I believe he is connecting to is the previous section of Scripture talking about the day in which Christ comes back from the dead as we talked about a revealing of His resurrection from the dead. I believe that the resurrection from the dead will give them the assurance of the promised gift which God has already promised several times as we've looked through that, of the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father would definitely, indeed, emphatically send, who would eventually take up His abode and indwell each believer because of His promises as He departs and goes to the Father. And that promise was that He would send to you and I and to them the paraclete the advocate, the helper, the lawyer, the one who would stand for you and would battle for you and give you true genuine hope and joy. He says in verse 23, on that day you will not question me about anything. Notice it says you will not question me about anything. This is a really interesting idea because they did ask Him, Questions, But what's interesting about the Greek word here, which I believe in the classical Greek means most of the time to ask a question, but it is also translated in the New Testament in several places. And I believe within the context for which we find here as more of a request, not so much as a question. And if you'll look there in John chapter 16, He already uses the same word later in as request. Translated as request. So you could see how it could translate on that day, you will not request of me about anything. You may ask why this is so significant. Seems like a small detail, doesn't it? But know this. Jesus is proclaiming that there is a new age inaugurated by the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And your connection to Christ through your faith in the gospel, alone through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, listen, brings about a born-again connectivity to the Savior. So you see, after the resurrection of Christ from the dead, because of your connection to Christ, my friends, something has changed. And now you have direct access to the Father. Thus Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, He will give it to you. You see, the Gospel brings about a new covenant. That's why I had... Hebrews read this morning. It used to be that we had to take our sins to the priest. And that he would intercede on our behalf and pay for that sin through the the, the blood of goats and bulls. But listen, Christ became our high priest who died for sin once and for all and conquered death at Calvary. The veil was torn from top to bottom. And now because of who we are in Christ, we now have direct access to the Father because of our connection to Christ. And thus he can say, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, Jesus will give it to you. You will not request of me, anything on that day. Why? Because now you will be able to go directly to the Father. That seems simple. But wonder how many of us fail to realize that when we pray, that we have, because of our connection to Christ, a direct access to God the Father who created all things and breathed into your nostrils and my nostrils the breath of life. And you became a living soul. You, because of your connection to Christ, now can have that direct communication with God the Father. It's also important that we understand asking in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Is not some formula by which we simply add the name of Jesus to an end of the prayer with an expectation that because we set it in the name of Jesus, it shall not take place. Listen, because you are connected to Christ, my friends, because you have aligned yourself with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, We need to understand that it is not some ritualistic methodology by which we pray and receive, but rather it is a call out of our connection to God the Father with the Son. To pray that is to pray for that which is in line with the will of Christ. To have a total affirmation that you and I can be absolutely, totally dependent on the sun to supply every need that we have. But there must be a connection to the sun. It's not simply enough to be a professor of Christ. You must be a possessor of Christ. There must be... A, a life-saving relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not enough to have certain facts and information about Christ, that He was in heaven and became a man, and He lived a perfect life, and He died on the cross, was buried and risen from the dead again, and ascended to the right hand of the Father. Those are great facts. That doesn't make us saved. That makes you have great intellect. But listen, The greatest distance of knowledge is from here to here. If there is no change in here, it doesn't matter what's up here. So it's important that there be a life-saving relationship with Christ in order for you and I to have access through the Son to the Father. Up until this point, the disciples had not prayed in the name of Jesus, not until after the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, that they are able now to access the Father through the Son in prayer. It was Charles Spurgeon said when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn from top to bottom so that big sinners like me might fit through it. Listen, they previously asked Jesus directly, Or they prayed directly to the Father. Something has changed. A new covenant has been installed. Not so much fully until Pentecost and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes onto the scene. But nevertheless, the blood of Jesus Christ had been shed on Calvary, paying for your sins and my sins, that we might be set free, that we might be redeemed, that we might be justified. And because of that fact, because we have been born again from above, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and that it's because I'm a new creation in Christ now. The old things have passed away, and behold, the new have come, because God has deemed me justified, declared Right, I can now access the Father. I can now access the Father. Because he has conquered death, those connected to Christ like you and I can now go to the Father in the name of Jesus because we are we are righteous in his sight. Justified. The veil is torn. And we have a direct access into the holies of holies. We've been granted the privilege of the Father because of our connection to the Son. This is a privilege that belonged to the new covenant. And with that came a promise that would bring about a joy made complete. I wonder how many have bought the lie of the world that you need to be more than who you are in Christ. He says here in verse 23, And on that day you will not question Me or request Me about anything. Truly I say to you, if you ask the Father in anything in My name, He will give it to you. We see the unfolding of this in John chapter 15. The words of this promise should remind us of what has already been said. He said in John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, Whatever you ask in My name, this I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. But something's changed. It's now so that the Son may be glorified in the Father. But nevertheless, verse 14, Whatever you ask in My name, I will do it. And then in John fifteen seven, if you abide in Me, that's being connected. If you are connected to the vine as a branch, you are connected to the life-giving source that brings about true, genuine life. And abide in My Word. And My Word abides in you whatever you wish. It will be done for you. And then what we find in 15, verse 16, He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you would go bear fruit. That you would bear fruit. And that your fruit would abide so that, as a result of, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give it to you. He just didn't give an open invitation to whatever you want. No, rather, if we are living out the victorious Christian life, which is being proven by the fact that we are connected to the Son, listen, there will be a life of consistent obedience. You see, we don't talk about obedience in 2022. Because all of the legalists have made this idea that unless you do A, B, C, and D, you can't be saved. Well, I'm here to tell you, there's only one way to be saved. It's through Christ. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But make no mistake, the faith that saves is never alone. It's always accompanied by godly obedience. Christ, this will bring about a fruit bearing that springs up to life as a direct consequence of your prayers that isn't about your greeds, it isn't about asking for a Lamborghini, or a mansion, or a Ferrari, whatever it is you want. It's about having direct access to the Father so that you may pray in the Spirit to accomplish the will and purpose of Almighty God. And when you fall in line with the will of the Father, the desires of God, He will grant you the desires of your hearts because your desires will reflect that of God Almighty. We saw this in the garden, didn't we? When Jesus prayed to the Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done, you see. It wasn't about Christ, it was about His obedience to the Father. It's not about what we want, but what does it that God wants. It's not based on your wants, but His will. And He says in verse 24, until now you've asked for, for nothing in My name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. The disciples are encouraged to call upon the Father in the name of Jesus. And this is based on their close, close relationship with Christ. And it's about their indwelling Him and Him indwelling them. There is this vine connection that we looked at in John chapter 15. It's about being connected to God the Son, being connected to the vine as a branch. It's about walking out our daily lives in obedience and proving to be true children of God. Because the fruit you bear will show you, convince you if you are truly born again from above. If you're truly born again by the Lord Jesus Christ, you will bear fruit. And if you look at Galatians chapter 5, He he precedes beforehand the fruit of the Spirit with the fruit of the flesh. And I want to encourage you to dive into Galatians chapter 5. Starting around verse 18 and read through it and ask yourself the question, where do you stand? Do you bear the fruit of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? Because the fruit you bear does not lie because salt water cannot produce fresh and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. We're truly connected to Christ. We'll live out an obedient Christian life. And when we fail, which you will, you will claim First John 1, night and confess your sins. For He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You will have a heart of true, genuine repentance. You can't be connected to Christ and live in unrepentant sin your whole life and claim I'm just a carnal Christian. No, He who began a good work in you, assuming it has been begun, will see it to completion. You will be, yes, positionally justified, declared right before God, but know this, you will and you must be progressively sanctified. Becoming daily more like Christ. And God, how He works, is that's a process by which He is in control of sanctifying you through the power of the Spirit who lives in you. Because first you are connected to Christ. Because you can't have the Spirit living in you unless you have first been connected to Christ. Because when you place your faith in Christ, He comes and takes up residence and indwells you as a believer. Ephesians reminds us of that. So it begins that we see first a connection to Christ. But out of that, secondly, we see a connection to the Father. Jesus continues, These things I have spoken to you and Figures of speech. An hour's coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. Now, this ought to throw you off a little bit. You say, well, why would that throw me off? Well, it was in Mark four thirty three that we are reminded that Christ spoke in figures of speech to the people. He said, and with many such parables, He was speaking the word to them as they were able to hear it. The greater reality comes from the question that Christ was asked in Matthew 13, 10 and 11 by the disciples. So the disciples came to Him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So that in their hearing they would not hear, and in their seeing they would not see. But here in our text, something seems to have changed among these disciples. It seems as He is now speaking to His disciples in parable. Why? Well, if you look at John 16, verse 13, what does He say? I have many more things to say to you, verse 12, but you cannot bear them. You cannot bear them. I could speak plainly to you disciples, but listen, you can't bear the truth. But on that day, (laughs) after His death, after His burial and resurrection from the dead, the text says He will speak to them plainly. Jesus' time is about to end on earth. And when they receive the Holy Spirit, after Pentecost, they will hear clearly. They will hear very clearly. I like what Hendrickson suggested when he said at the present, Jesus is still preventing from speaking fully and openly. But He is held back by the incapacity of the hearer. By the fact that He had yet not given His life a ransom for many and by the additional fact that the Spirit had not been yet poured out. Until the man of sorrow actually suffered, died on the cross, and was risen from the dead, the cross cannot be fully understood. It cannot be fully revealed. Listen, until the Helper has arrived, the Father cannot be fully declared. The revelation of the Father in delivering up His own Son, and in sending the Spirit, must for a while remain veiled. But an hour is coming, verse 25, when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. And thus He reminded the disciples not only of their connection to the Son, but also their connection to the Father. Verse 26, on that day you will ask in my name, and I'm not saying to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. This is big. This is big time. My friends, when Jesus died and rose again from the dead, listen, He gave you a a direct connection to the Father. You are adopted as a child of God into the family of God and nothing, absolutely nothing can remove you from that. Assuming you're truly born again. Yes, if you haven't figured out, we believe in eternal security in this church. Because if He saves you, not based on the deeds you've done in righteousness, but according to His grace and according to His mercy... You didn't save yourself. He saved you. And if He saved you, then nothing can separate you from the love of God. When He died and rose again, He gave you a direct connection to the Father. Jesus doesn't have to talk the Father into answering your prayers. Notice this. You go straight to Him through the Son. No, he who is producing the fruit of the Spirit, he who is walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh, he who is walking in obedience and guided by the will of God through the Word of God, listen, has direct access to Abba the Father. Doesn't always again mean you'll be perfect. But it must first start with a connection to Christ. You and him and him and you. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And if it is Christ who is living through you, then there is absolutely no way you can just keep on sinning. Because when you are sinning as a believer, you have a loving father who will discipline those who are his children. And if you are living in habitual sin and you're not being disciplined by almighty God, the word of God says you are an illegitimate child. So we have to pay attention to what it is God is doing in our lives and how He's disciplining us. Because if I am reminded of the Scripture, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Even the man standing in this pulpit. Given enough time, I will offend you. Given enough time, you will see something in my life That I will need to repent over. So my encouragement is don't follow me. I'm not your standard. (laughs) Follow Christ. He is your standard of absolute perfection. He who knew no sin, listen, became sin on your behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. If there's any righteousness in me, it's because of Christ in me not because I'm something special. When you are saved and born again, you have the right to approach the throne of grace because you have been saved by faith in the Son of God. He says in verse 27, For the Father Himself loves you because you have loved Me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. Listen, you're granted access because of your love for His Son because you have trusted in the Son, because in your belief that God of the universe saw a desperate and helpless, wicked humanity because of His love for you and for me, He sent His Son into the world to die on a cross, to be buried and raised again from the dead. And whoever believes, the Bible says, will not perish, but have everlasting life. You will have eternal life. And the Father... Will love you because you have loved the Son. Does that ring back to John chapter 14? Truly, truly, verse 12. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, greater works than he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He says, I will ask the Father. He will give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. Listen, the reality is if you've loved him, you've loved the Father. And because you've loved the Father, he will disclose himself to you. Love of the Son, demonstrated through your obedience in life by your faith, is important. Faith without works is dead. John 3:36 He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. John 14:21 He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I will love him, and what? Disclose myself to him. And in Hebrews 5, 9, And having been made perfect, he became to all of those who obey him the source of eternal life. This is not enough to simply, as we said last week, profess Christ as Lord. Listen, the demons believed in James and trembled. They knew who Christ was. But they had no deeds of faith. They had no fruit of the Spirit. They had no fruit of repentance in their lives. They had no works to show that they were truly born again from above. They couldn't reveal the fruit of the Spirit because they had none. The Bible says what's in you will come out. <laughs> it's it's going to come out. That tearing of the veil in front of the holies of holies shows us that we have access. For we who are in Christ we're connected to God the Father. So your connectivity to God, the Father, shows itself in love and in faith, trusting in Him, believing that Jesus indeed came forth from the Father. So let me ask you this morning, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation? He either did it all or He did nothing at all, my friends. It's not your deeds, it's not your efforts, it's not your good works. It's not about
1: meditating
0: and all these crazy mysticism things that are in our day. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. If you get anything out of this message today, my prayer and my hope is you understand you can't work your way to the kingdom of God. Your connectivity to God the Son and God the Father will show itself in true love. By this, he says in John 13, you will know that they are my disciples by the way they love one another. And if you don't know what love is, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient, love is kind. The list goes on. So, are we loving one another? We need to believe that He is the only way to salvation. I have a friend who I had lunch with, said he goes to someone's house and they sit around and he struggles because there's a group of people who talk about how many different ways there are to get to heaven. Uh, They're very intellectual, but in their intelligence they're ignorant. He says, sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. You want to know the truth. The Bible is truth. And the Bible says, the truth shall set you free. You want to be saved, it's the gospel. You want to be connected to God the Son, it's the gospel. You want to be connected to God the Father, it's the gospel. Listen, there My friends, are not in many ways to come to Christ. There is but one cross. There is but one grave. There is but one resurrection. And there is but one way to access the Father. And listen, it is through the Son Jesus Christ who died a ransom for many. He says in verse 28, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. He's reminding them that there will be an ascension. There will be an ascending up to the right hand of the Father where yes, He does now sit and intercede on your behalf and my behalf. When life is tough and we don't even know what to pray, He prays for us. And because he has ascended, not only will he be sending the Holy Spirit, re-reminded that he's coming back to gather his children in the rapture. And at the second coming, he will come back as a conquering king. Verse 29, they respond. His disciples said, See now you are speaking plainly. And they're not using any figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and that you have no need for anyone to ask you. This is why we believe that you came forth from God. Listen, these disciples in the midst of this circumstance admit the deity of Christ that He knows all things and have come to an understanding. These young men, these disciples, have now acknowledged the omniscience of Christ. They certainly cannot say that they have all the questions answered. But there was certainly a light bulb that had gone off in their heads. It was John Calvin that said, the disciples certainly did not yet fully understand what Christ had been saying. But although they were not yet capable of this, the mere scent of it refreshed them. They had been given a glimpse. Yet, the dwelling of the Holy Spirit had not yet come. The promise of having been granted access to the Father gave them an assurance on that day. When the Spirit comes upon them, it would bring about a full assurance, a fuller understanding that will abide in them forever. For them, it was later. For you and for me today, it's now. He has already sent the Spirit and He indwells many who have placed their faith in Christ you have the Holy Spirit living in you? We see the connection to the Son. We see a connection to the Father. Thirdly, I want you to see a connection to the Spirit. Remember, this is a triune God experience, meaning that we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together to accomplish the purpose of the plan of God. Prayer. Connection to the Son, to the Father, brings about a true understanding. But their enthusiasm, listen, in the excitement, they miss the full effects of the cross. The pain that it would bring. They lack from seeing all that will take place of the price of being a child of God. The price of having the Holy Spirit as your comforter. The price that must be paid that He, God, would send the Holy Spirit. Jesus replied to them, Do you now believe? Almost as a rhetorical question. Remember, they still run and hide, my friends. The resurrection hasn't taken place yet. He's him telling, on this day you will. They're still going to deny him three times. They're still going to run and hide in the upper room for which Jesus, we will see later, appears to them. Doubting Thomas will still say, I will not believe unless I can touch with my hands. you now believe? What seems to be a momentary excitement will come to a head. Yes, they will cry. Yes, they will be scared. But their sorrow will come to joy. And so, like He has been doing, Christ will warn them while encouraging them. He says in verse 32, Behold, an hour is coming. And has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. Now here they're excited. He's already told them. They, they've already told him. You, you're speaking plainly now. Well, hold on. What do you mean? We're going to leave you alone. Well, are we going to leave you alone? No. I'll, I'll pull out my sword and defend you if I have to. Oh, buddy, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. Yes, it will seem that Christ is there on the cross all alone. Many of them running away from suffering themselves. But Jesus says, I am not alone because the Father is with me. They would need more than just a resurrected Jesus from the dead. Th- they would need a Jesus that ascended to the Father so that He would send the Spirit for which He has already promised. Because why? The, yet, the worst was yet to come. He said, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Christ has always known That the peace they would need would come from Him. Would come from being connected to Christ. Would come from being connected to the Father. But ultimately, because they were connected to God the Holy Spirit. Who now would take up residence in them after Pentecost. You want peace in this world, my friend. Let me tell you, you will never experience the peace of God until you are at peace with God. And the only way that you can have true, genuine peace is to be born again from above and allow the Spirit, the Comforter, to dwell you and to give you a miraculous ability to walk through life like in the Matrix. When things are coming your way, you're just kind of dodging them and you're just pressing ahead toward the goal that lies ahead. We need the Spirit of God. So He reminds them, gives them a joy, a confidence, and a supernatural ability that only God could get the credit for and the promise of the Spirit. So Jesus warns them in this final phrase. In this world, you have Tribulation. Not might. Not could. May very well take place. No, no, no. You will have tribulation. But take courage. Be courageous. Which is only possible, again I say, by being indwelt with the Spirit of God, being connected to God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit, and Him living in you and through you for His glory. I've overcome the world. You'll have tribulations in this world, but but take courage, I've overcome the world. I've conquered death. I've given you a promise and a hope of eternal life with me eternally in heaven. And you too can have the promise of eternal life if you'll place your faith in Jesus Christ. If you'll admit to Him what He already knows to be true and that is you are a sinner in need of a Savior. When you place your faith in the gospel, He'll come to take up residence in you. And He'll give you a peace. Not as the world gives. Do I give. He says in John 14, Let your heart not be troubled nor let it be fearful. Why? Because He is our comforter. You see, you and I live after Pentecost. Hear the promise of a conquering king that would die on a cross but conquer death. A high priest who would pay for your sins and my sins once and for all. The, the guarantee of the Spirit of God to come and to take up residence in you and, and live through you so that you can have the, the victorious Christian life? Because you and I will need the Spirit to grant us true peace. To grant us true joy. So the one who is connected to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You, my friend, can walk in victory you can have a courageous connection to the Father. While their promise was yet to come, Christ knew that apart from the power of the Holy Spirit within them, there was absolutely no way they could face the tribulations that were coming their way. But He made a promise, I've overcome the world. Thus He reminds those who have loved Him, take courage. Take courage. Have a courageous connection to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. To know that no matter what tomorrow may bring, or even today, our time is but a vapor on this earth. Know that whatever comes your way, you can have a courageous connection. In fact, Christ has overcome the world. And this is not our home. With all the pain, the aches, the aging, the getting old, know that there is a better day ahead. I'm not going to promise you America is going to become a great nation. I'm not going to promise you that America is going to become godly again. But what I can promise you is what the word of God promises is that this is not our home. And if you are born again from above, there is a better day ahead. There is a place prepared for you. and Where He is there, you may be also. Hold fast this morning. Take courage. When the world seems to have thrown you a curveball, stick in there. Have hope when the world seems to be attacking you from every angle. Be steadfast. Irremovable. Stand firm, listen, in the promises of God that He will grant you victory over your enemy. Trust in the Lord and in His Word that you genuinely, truly have an eternal life that can never be removed by the things of this world because of your faith in the Gospel. Hold fast to your salvation, my friend, that one day you will be with the Lord and all things will be made new. It starts with being connected to God the Son, to God the Father, in God the Holy Spirit, which takes place when you're born again from above. Hold fast this morning in the days ahead with a courageous connection that will bring glory to God. Let's pray. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.